when I talked about how I was thriving on a plant-based diet, they came back at me with, it's too expensive. I don't, this, I shop at Walmart. I don't have, I don't go to Whole Foods. I don't go to the natural food store. And, uh, and it shocked me because at that time, and honestly, until the last, I don't know, five, six years, maybe five years, four years, I lived below the poverty line. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 244. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hi, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have Tony Okamoto, who is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, and we have such a great conversation. What a cool person she is. I really loved getting to know her and learning more about her journey on this show. So let me tell you more about Tony. So she is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, the popular website and meal plan that shows how to save dough by eating veggies. Her new cookbook is Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. She's also the author of the Plant Based on a Budget cookbook and the co-host of the Plant Powered People podcast. In this episode, we chat about all the ways eating plant-based can fit into your financial and your time budget. We start out with her journey into plant-based eating. Really interesting story. How her way of eating has influenced her family and friends. We also get into her ethnic and cultural background and how she's been able to integrate that into her way of eating how cultural differences can be seen as a barrier for some people that are transitioning to a plant-based diet, how she started blogging and writing about low-cost plant-based meals, and we talk about whether eating a plant-based or vegan diet is more expensive. Is that really a myth or not? We talk about the ways that people can save money when eating a plant-based diet. We talk about batch cooking and food prepping. Is that worth doing? Can it really help out? And we talk about some plant-based recipes that cost less than $3 per serving. And what are the easy ways that super busy people can start growing their own food? Like I said, this is a great episode. It's very practical. She has some very applicable, practical tips that you can start implementing right away. Also, her book is beautiful and it has fabulous recipes. So definitely check it out. Again, that is Tony 
Okamoto, and her book is called Plant-Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. Thank you so much for being a listener. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming back week after week, and welcome to new listeners. We are so happy to see you. Please keep reaching out on Instagram at the Dr. Yami, or you can email me, Yami, that's Y-A-M-I, at dryami.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-Y-A-M-I.com. Love to hear your feedback, what you think about these episodes, and what you would like to see in the future. And now, welcome Tony Okamoto. Tony Okamoto, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I can't wait to get to know you a little better and learn about your journey. So let's start there. Let's talk about your journey into plant-based eating. How did you discover this way of eating and how has it evolved over time? It was slow and gradual for me. I had not really thought about how the food I eat impacts my body. It was all about taste and filling my tummy and that's it. And I remember exactly when it happened. I was a track uh, a track runner and I was feeling sick uh, after my track practices pretty often. And my coach said, what are you eating? And I was like, that's a weird question. <laughs> that's really strange. Uh, but okay, I eat Taco Bell. I love Taco Bell. We had a, a Taco Bell right across the street from my school. Um, at home, I eat, I like a hamburger helper, SpaghettiOs, uh, hot dogs with chili on them. And uh, he was like, oh, okay, okay, all right. So I see where the problem is. And he started telling me that I should cut back on my fast food and I should cut back on my red meat and let's see how it goes. And I began to feel better. And uh, the more plants I introduced to my diet, the better I felt as a runner. And that was the genesis of it all. But it continued on. I had some pushback from my family. They were like, how did I get this hippy dippy daughter? How, like, God has forsaken us. What, what did we do to deserve this? Uh, and so it was hard. And I couldn't really be a vegetarian until I left my family's house. It was um, much easier when I was in control of the food. And even then, I didn't know what vegetarian meant. It meant picking the pepperoni off my pizza, eating um, a vegetable soup, but not caring that it was chicken broth. And, uh, and so I was trying my best. And it wasn't really sticking with me hardcore until I found some people. I entered into a veg club at my community college, and I met like-minded people who were in a similar state of life, also um, had cultural connections to their food, and having a similar age group of people who had similar life experiences to me really made a difference. And together we learned how to cook, we learned how to um, pair different foods together. We would meet up after after class and batch cook. I would go to the library and check out books for us. And it was a really beautiful experience. And not only that, we went to an animal sanctuary so I could further my education about not only the impacts on my life, but how my choices impacted others as well. So it was a really beautiful experience. And I'm glad I did it at a pace that set myself up for success long term. And that made me feel confident in my why forever. 
That sounds so amazing and so fun. And a lot of people talk about that, especially coaches, that when you're trying to make a habit and behavior change, having community, having a support group really does make a difference because you don't feel alone. You have accountability. There's all kinds of reasons. It looks like y'all swapped ideas and batch cooking together sounds like a dream come true to me because I love batch cooking. It would be so fun to have like a party with the dance music and everything. Everybody get their stuff ready. That's so cool. Um, I think it's funny how you were talking about how you had a Taco Bell across the street from your school. We had a Taco Bell inside our school. So what? yes, it was horrible. It was horrible. Wow. We also had, wow. I don't know if you've heard of um, a yogurt place called TCBY. They don't have very many anymore. TCBY stands for the country's yeah. best yogurt. We had a TCBY inside our school as well. So yeah, it was like, talk about having the the fast food right yeah. there, yeah, right in front of you. But I also think it's funny how you thought it was weird that he was asking you about what you were eating because you didn't mm -hmm. even realize that there could have been a connection between how you were feeling and what you were eating. Looking back on that and reflecting on that, is it amazing to you how far you've come? It's very amazing. And it's also frustrating too, because I often think about the suffering that could have been spared in so many lives if nutrition education and wellness were taught at a younger age. I think about my own family who has suffered very, very severe consequences of poor diet choices like type 2 diabetes with amputations and death. And my grandpa who raised me had a heart attack, but then died of triple of complications in a triple bypass surgery later on. And if they knew, would things be different? Yes. And so that's one of my next questions is, has your way of eating influenced your family and your friends? Do you feel like, you know, you said that while you were young, it was difficult for you to make the transition, but then after you were able to sustain this way of eating, did it make an impact? Here and there. And I celebrate all change, like anything toward, uh, uh, a life that's longer for my family is, uh, one that I, I, I hold deeply. And there are some things that I really appreciate. One is how they accommodate me now. And when I'm around, they make the side dishes plant-based so that I can eat them. And maybe there's still animal protein on the table, but that is such a huge change from when I was talking way back then where they're like, what are you doing to us? To now they understand and want to accommodate me because they know that this is important to me. And family is so, um, my family is so tight knit and they express their love through sharing food. And so the fact that they are now expressing their love to me, accommodating me and um, trying really hard to to not only understand, but to also eat the plant-based food when I'm there is a beautiful thing. And then I'm, I'm Japanese and Mexican. Um, my family is mostly um, Mexican-American and I, or the, the family that I grew up with is mostly Mexican-American. And one big switch that happened is that everyone no longer eats chorizo, they eat sorizo. And that is 
huge. It's the same price at the grocery store. You can find it in the same section as the pork chorizo, the beef chorizo. And uh, it's, it's it's the same, same price, same texture, same tastes, and in the same spot. So to them, it's like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, and I love that. I really do. That's a big deal for Mexicans. I mean, chorizo is a big cultural food. So, yeah. hey, good job on that yeah. one. But that was my next question is, you know, especially given your background, I mean, you have mixed ethnic cultural background. So there's all kinds of different dishes and flavors. Do you feel that cultural eating differences can be a barrier for some people transitioning to a plant-based diet? I think first and foremost is was for me getting over the disappointment of not sharing food with people, especially when you come from a culture, like I mentioned, that expresses their love and affection and celebration and care through food sharing. You know, you go to your grandma's house or your mom's house and you eat like they they give you so much food because they love you and they want you to be nourished. Uh, and that is hard in the beginning. And it requires some patience from both parties to um, go with the flow. And for me, as I mentioned, it was slow and gradual and also imperfect. I remember I had just decided to be vegan. I just decided. And my aunt, bless her heart, made me albondigas that are like uh, meatballs that are spiced and they're delicious. And she made them vegetarian um, because she wanted she she wanted to support me. And um, she gave them big batch frozen for Christmas. And uh, and I thought, wow, this is so cool. But then I later in that same moment, she told me that it was um, Morningstar, which had egg eggs and like um, maybe some cheese in it. And I was like, you know what? It's not going to make a difference. They're made. She tried. I have them in my possession. I'm not going to let them go to waste. And in that moment, I decided that's what I was going to do. And so everyone has their own path. And in that moment, I decided I made a choice for myself. Um, now everyone knows I have. After that, I said, thank you so much. Lots of love, hugs, kisses, uh, appreciation. Um, and after that, when it was an appropriate time, I said, this is what I like to eat. This is how it is. Um, these are the things I, that you look for when when buying food for me. And, um, and so it requires patience and support of each other and kindness and compassion. Uh, and that has gotten me really far with my family when they're cooking for me. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely that she made you that. And, you know, she probably wasn't even familiar with how to even right. cook with those ingredients. Yes. So that was super kind. And she yeah. went way out of her way to do mm -hmm. that. So I love that you were able to be flexible in that moment and, you know, embrace progress over perfection mm -hmm. in that, in that case. That's great. All right. Well, let's talk about why did you become interested in blogging and writing about low-cost plant-based meals? Because that's where your blogging journey began, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe that that was 11 years ago when I started Plant-Based on a Budget. And at the time I mentioned, I have a lot of family who was, they, they were all, each of them were dealing with their own struggles 
And when I talked about how I was thriving on a plant-based diet, they came back at me with, it's too expensive. I don't, this, I shop at Walmart. I don't have, I don't go to Whole Foods. I don't go to the natural food store. And, uh, and it shocked me because at, at that time, and honestly, until the last, I don't know, five, six years, maybe five years, four years, I lived below the poverty line and I was able to maintain um, wellness and I'd feel good and I had an abundance of produce in my life and it required some thinking and planning, but I wanted to share that with my family. So all of it started because I wanted to share that with my own family, but I very soon realized that many people wanted to eat healthier and introduce more plant-based dishes into their lives and into their children's lives, but had obstacles. And together, me and the community um, learned and shared and benefited from plant-based on a budget. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hear that all the time. I think people use that as an excuse to not even try to explore plant-based eating is, oh, it's going to be too expensive. But it's funny that you mentioned people saying that they shop at Walmart because I see Walmart as one of those places that has an explosion of plant-based options now, <laughs> you know, and like more and more coming out. And even the store brands, like I shop a lot at Fred Meyer, which is a Kroger brand. And the Kroger brand itself is coming out with so many plant-based options. But then you also have your Whole Foods, which is like everywhere, right? Your potatoes and your grains and all of those things that are all in all the grocery stores. So what do you think? Is it a myth that eating a plant-based or vegan diet is more expensive than eating an omnivorous diet in the USA? I do believe that that is a myth. Uh, I, I don't believe it. I know it. Uh, and I have gone to many grocery stores all over the country in different countries. Every time I'm at a place, that's my thing. I, I want to go to the grocery store and look at all the different food prices, see what's available. And I know because I've studied it, that we can spend, we'll say $35 a week right now with inflation, including inflation on a week's worth of food for yourself. And that is 21 meals. Uh, you're going to be full after every one of them. You're going to feel good. And you're going to have to put in a little bit of work to cook that brown rice, to cook those beans, um, but you can do it. And there's no way you can do that if you're going to McDonald's at the $1 menu. Uh, there's no way you can do that if you're relying on processed foods. And I have eaten a lot of those processed foods. Um, and I, I know that it's it seems like a good deal when you're looking at it for one serving or one meal. But when you're thinking about a whole week's worth of food or a month's worth of food, it's not a good deal because you don't have those leftovers. Yeah, for sure. And I'm a food for life cooking instructor through the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And I love to make sure that I make plenty of food. So it's demonstration style, these classes. 
I usually make three to four different recipes during that time. And often I'll have a class of 30 students and they're getting pretty much meal size portions. And I would usually spend no more than $50, but usually around $35, $40 for all of the food to feed 30 people and people would leave full. Like they wouldn't have to go eat their next meal because they literally just had a whole meal. And I would always be shocked because I would have all of this food I was about to prepare for people. And when the cashier would ring me out, I was always surprised and like, oh, (laughs) that wasn't wasn't too bad. Uh, Not only are they full, but they're nourished, nourished, leaving nourished too. And that's beautiful. And satisfied because it's delicious. You're not left wanting, you know, it's it's just yummy. And everybody's always shocked because the recipes can be so simple. You look at the ingredient list for the recipe and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then you taste it and you're like, wow, yeah. that really works together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really good. <laughs> so, all right. Well, since you're an expert on this, tell us about what are the ways that people can save money when they're eating a plant-based diet? planning, um, having that meal plan, having a little bit of thought for where and when and what you're going to be eating throughout the week is going to save you in the long run. I know for me, I used to have a one and a half hour commute to work every day and um, each way. And, uh, and I knew that if I did not have a plan for what I ate when I came home, I was going to be spending money I didn't have. I was going to run to Chipotle really quickly, get a burrito and spend six, seven bucks when I could just wait till I get home and have had something there that was planned for me, either leftovers or something I can quickly throw together like a burrito at home. Cause then maybe I had some, um, some rice and a can of beans and some salsa and I could quickly wrap it together and eat it. Uh, so planning ahead is really important in making sure you stay on your budget. I like to assess what I have in my pantry first so that I use up what I have and I don't go buy all new ingredients because that gets expensive quickly. And then I also like to make sure that I'm using ingredients that can be used in multiple recipes. So say if I'm getting celery, how am I going to use that whole celery up this week? How am I going to use that whole bag of carrots up this week and make make sure that they kind of meld together? Um, They can be completely different and have different tastes, but use similar similar ingredients so that you're not having to buy excess and you're using what you have and um, nothing's going to go bad and have to be tossed in the trash if it if it's wilted or expired. Uh, and then once I'm at the grocery store, and this is really important because right when you get into the grocery store, everything changes. Go full. Eat a snack before you go. Uh, and then try not to be distracted by all of the pretty packaging, all of the big bright sale signs that you see right when you walk in. Um, you're going to be hit right when you walk in with like, this is on sale. Remember, that's paid placement. You're going to walk in and at all those end caps, that's paid placement. Go to the aisle of what you need. Even if you see it on sale, go to the tomato sauce aisle. Look all the way around, not just at eye level because that's paid placement. And you might find something cheaper that you're looking for a price per ounce. Uh, look for price per ounce. That's how you're going to get the best deal. Likely it's going to be the store label. Um, and then 
pay attention to other things too. Like I, I know time is valuable, so you don't have to spend too much time doing this, but go over to the bulk bin section. Um, make sure that those are the best prices, get what you need. And when you're at the register, also pay attention there because I've made the mistake of writing down the wrong numbers from the bulk bins and have been charged extra. And so if you're paying attention at the register, you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, I meant to write this for lentils, not split peas. Um, and so you can save a few cents here, a few cents there, a dollar here, a dollar there, and that all adds up. And I've saved the most money planning ahead and paying attention at the grocery store. Those are some great tips. How, what do you feel about ordering your groceries online? I do that now. I have it in my budget and my time right now is so strapped. And so I totally understand why people do that. And if it's within your budget, I am all for that. It can get expensive. You have to pay an annual fee and then you have to tip the driver, which I recommend a minimum of 10%. Um, if you can more, that's great because they're they're doing the labor for you. And uh, And then also you pay a delivery fee for the service to be provided. So it gets it gets expensive. I don't always do it, but when times are tough with my time being totally accounted for, it's a nice luxury to have. Yeah. I'll add another thought to that though. Because there really is such a thing as impulse buying, which is what you were alluding yeah. to at the beginning. <laughs> and some people are more susceptible to that than yes. others. I will say I am more susceptible to that. If I physically go to Costco, which I don't know if y'all have Costco in yep. California. Mm -hmm. Y'all have yep. Costco there. Okay. I can always forget where's Costco and where's like Sam's Club and stuff. But if I physically go to Costco, like I cannot leave that store without spending $300. Like literally, like I cannot. I'll be like, oh, I totally need that. Like it'll be some like random product. But if I order online, I pretty much know how much I'm going to spend every week. So I think that despite the delivery fees, despite that, it saves me money over time. So I think you also have to know your personality too. And so, cause I know that because of the impulse buying, cause I actually love grocery stores. I love being in grocery stores and I want to go down every single aisle and I get super excited especially about vegan products. I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that taste like? Like, I can't even imagine what that's going to taste like. And then I buy it. But if I like just search in my search bar or, you know, it's like a lot of the, the apps, they keep your history. So they know what you buy over and over. You know, I get the same thing. I know I need my beans and my potatoes and, you know, my, my carrots. Yep. So I know it's a different way to That's look at it, point. but I really do think that online shopping has saved me a lot of money. <laughs> I, you know, now that I think about it, that is a, that is a great point and it's probably saved me a lot of money too. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about batch cooking. Do you feel, I mean, it seems like you already do, um, that there is a lot of value to batch cooking and prepping certain ingredients to plan for a week's worth of meals. Yes, in, in the Plant-Based on a Budget Quick and Easy Cookbook that is coming out, I try to give a lot of different options for each family's style of batch cooking because there's not a one-size-fits-all. I have found in my own life, there's the make a big pot, 
or make a big casserole dish and eat that throughout the week. And for that, I like to mix it up. So if I'm making a big pot of, we'll say split pea soup, I like to um, make a pretty plain soup that's a big giant batch. And then every time I eat it, I take a ladle full and I first day put some nutritional yeast, make it cheesy. Next day, take another ladle, put some hickory smoke in there. And now it's like a smoky flavor. Next day, put some lemon juice and some sriracha. Now it's got a little bit of a tang. And, uh, and that helps me not hate split pea soup. <laughs> and it also keeps me excited and interested in continuing to eat it throughout the week. Um, so that's one style, making a big batch of something. But then there's the other style, which is making um, maybe a big batch of a grain, not a whole meal, so that throughout the week you can have the hard part prepped and quickly create meals that are 15 minute meals with what you've prepped that is um, either a legume or a grain. And then the other style of prepping that's really popular and that I have also liked but does require some space is freezer meals. And so when I do that, I would maybe make a, a big pot of something but double the batch so that I'm freezing part of it too so that I don't have to do that labor again. And that saves a lot of time as well. Oh, those are such good tips and great methods. And I'll say that the key for me, I love batch cooking. I depend on it and I always want to make sure that I have something ready to go. I always take my lunch to school, my, to school, oh my gosh, I'm no longer in school, <laughs> to work. <laughs> it kind of is school because I'm learning every day still, but take my lunch to work and my kids pack their lunch for school as well. So we always need to have food available. And I think that routine and being okay with kind of eating a similar structure to things that works for me really well. Like I know that I like doing veggie grain bowls and we just switch out the type of grains. We switch out the type of beans, different types of veggies, and of course that sauce. And so that really makes batch cooking work because I know that I just have to make these core ingredients and that helps us put together things very quickly throughout the week. Yeah, that's my style. Uh, that's how I tend to eat at a lot. Tend to eat at home is the the mix and match grain, protein, veggie sauce. That's such an easy way, and it's wholesome, but also flavorful. And uh, depending on which veggies you're doing that week, it can, um, and which sauces that you have, it can feel like a different meal every day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah, definitely. And there's also those people that they just like to have lots of good variety. And I think that, you know, your idea of you kind of start with that base, but make it something different each time. I think that's a really good method as well. Share with us some examples of plant-based recipes that cost less than $3 per serving. One of my favorite meals to put together is uh, a chili. I like chilies that especially 
use canned beans. I use no sodium or low sodium if possible canned beans and I rinse them and I toss them all in a pot. Uh, so I get a big pot. I toss four to six cans of beans um, and maybe some corn, some onions, uh, some spices. And I actually did this recently. I went to Walmart. I brought six bucks with me and I made a pot of black bean chili that fed me for six servings um, with the, with the $6 that I spent. And it was delicious. It was delicious. And instead of buying each individual, um, each individual spice, spice, I bought a spice blend and it was a low sodium spice blend. It was under a dollar and you can just toss that in. So even if your house isn't totally stocked completely with um, all the different spices that you need, those spice blends come in handy and they're uh, becoming healthier and healthier as people want low sodium options. That's amazing. So you were paying a dollar a serving. There's your dollar menu right there. That's the healthy, <laughs> nutritious uh, dollar menu. Because yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking of black bean chili. I mean, that is exploding with nutrients too. I mean, it's high fiber, high antioxidants. You're getting the spices. You're getting all those antioxidants from the spices. So just think about that. It's low price, lower, you know, in calorie density, but exploding with nutrient density. And also you can take it a step further and cook your own black beans and it stretches your dollar even further. I right now have been relying on the quick, uh, the quickness of my meals. And uh, I, I'm grateful I can do that now. But there was a long time of my life where I cooked everything from scratch, because that was the only realistic option for me. Yeah. And, you know, you just need some good, helpful kitchen appliances that just will really help you with time saving there too. And I mean, I'm just going to say, I, I'm a snob now when it comes to beans, just because the texture of cooking them yourself is so amazing. But your idea earlier about freezing things is really helpful too, because even if you don't have the time once a month, twice a month, you can cook a bunch and then freeze them and have them at the texture you like, cause you know, I'm a snob about that now. I like to, especially chickpeas, when you like pressure cook your own chickpeas, they are like butter. They're so amazing. Yes. Uh, also, I don't think people realize how many things can be frozen. Often you think of soups or curries or uh, things like that, maybe liquids that freeze well, but so many things freeze beans freeze, rice freezes, quinoa freezes, um, breakfast foods freeze. So you can make breakfast burritos, pack them and then thaw them out later. And you've got breakfast burritos for your family in the morning and not have to fuss with throwing things together. So look into it. I have, I have a bunch of my book, but on look online, you can freeze anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Even avocados. That's one of the ones that shocked me Yeah, is, you know, you can get your avocados. Of course, you want to take it out of the shell, you know, out of the, what do you call the shell of the avocado? The rind? I don't even know what you call it. Anyway, the skin, the skin. <laughs> you want to take it out of the skin and um, they, that you can use it to make guacamole or put it in smoothies and stuff like that. It's really cool. And now for a very important message. 
Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. That reminds me of the time that I kept on hearing, it was, it was a long time ago, I kept on hearing everyone was like, if you have spotted bananas, make sure you freeze them. So I went and I froze my bananas that were spotted, but I didn't peel them first. And I didn't know how to get them off. Like, I just didn't know. I just heard this thing, freeze your spotted bananas. Uh, and when it came time, I was like, uh, how do I do this? So now, now I peel my bananas, but... Uh, <laughs> I just didn't know that in the beginning. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people. I went over to my friend's house and she had put whole bananas in her freezer too. And I was like, um, there's an easier way to do this. But no, I just, I also a Costco hack because we do a lot of smoothies at our house. So I will buy the bulk bananas and get like a whole extra bunch that mm. we're just going to use to freeze at the end of the week to replenish our smoothie bananas. And did you know that it's easier to open a banana from the bottom than from the top? No, I when always it's ripe? from the top. Yeah. Wow. Try it next time. And so then I just have my like little time, like, okay, it's time to freeze the bananas. I stand at the counter next to the compost bin and I take it out, take, you know, the peel off and put them into my bags. And it's my little I'm routine. I'm going to need you so. to text me a video like a video tutorial. I'll, I will. I'm going to, I'm going to just text a video. Okay. So yeah, you'll see this, but it's like so much easier and it's so much faster. And then your banana comes out nice and beautiful. So if you care about that kind of thing, you know All what I'm right. saying? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> okay. So, you know, what's interesting about your book is it's plant-based on a budget, quick and easy. I have it right here. Beautiful book. And I think whenever we see that we automatically think money budget, financial budget, but you're also referring to time budget. 
So let's talk about how people can do things to save time. And we've talked about that a little bit. In particular, how about, is there ways that we can save money and time when it comes to growing our own food? Yes, um, I will say, so I grow a lot of my food. Uh, I grow in the summer here in Sacramento. The conditions are great for uh, growing food in the Central Valley. And I also grew up in a family where not everyone did it, but a lot of people did it. There's a huge Japanese farming community in the Central Valley, and my grandpa was part of that. But also a lot of my family, when they came to the United States or even multiple generations and picked um, here in the Central Valley. So fresh food at certain parts of my life has been really front and center. And I I guess I'll give a little bit of contact, context to that. I grew up with my grandparents until I was 11 because um, my parents were teenagers and my dad went to the Navy. And then when he came back, we lived like a bachelor. So when I was talking about how I ate a lot of hamburger helper and things like that, it was when I was living with my dad later on. Uh, and we lived like, like how he ate. And, and so that that's the context behind that. But now I have a special place in my heart for growing food. And I will say, you don't need a lot of space. You can start on your porch, you can start on your balcony, you can start on your windowsill. I now have a backyard, but I've not always had a backyard and I've still been able to grow something, basil, mint, um, a, a little tomato plant on a balcony. Now I have uh, a lot in a tiny space. I've tried, I've read a lot of books about squeezing things in. I spent about $40 on tree, on each tree, 30 to $40 on each little baby tree. And it's been about four years since I planted them. So they're productive and I'm getting 50 pounds right now, but it'll continue to be so productive as the tree ages and matures and becomes more abundant and so it it although you have that initial $40 investment if you're thinking about it over the long period it really really pays off uh, another thing to keep in mind is that the way we think about um, planting is often in an agricultural sense I read a book called grow a little fruit tree about if you have a small space how how Trees can be kept small so that they grow just enough for you to eat. They're not going to grow 50 feet. You don't need 50 feet across and 50 feet up. Um, you can keep them really tiny and it requires some care. But then they grow 200 pieces of fruit instead of 2,000 pieces of fruit, which is just enough for you and your family and your community to enjoy. So um, even if you have a little tiny backyard and you're thinking, oh, I, I can't fit a lot back there, um, you, ca you can. It'll take a little bit of uh, education. But again, $40 and now I'm getting 50 pounds of fruit per year uh, minimum. And that is I feel so grateful about that. That's so cool. So what kind of fruit are you getting? I have nine fruit trees um, and I have two peach trees, a uh, fig tree, lemon, orange, cherry, pear, and apple. 
And then I have a bunch of bushes like um, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, and um, I'm trying to fit them in anywhere I can. I, I made an agreement with my husband that we could keep part of the yard for our dog because he loves to run and play. And I'm always like, do you really need that yard, though? Like, because I really need that yard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know. I I wish, I don't know. We, we don't have a, a ton of space, but I've really crammed it in there. I've really, there, um, I planted them three or three feet apart. So that's, that's not a lot of space. Yeah. That's so cool though. It sounds delicious and amazing. I also live in an agricultural valley, so I totally appreciate the difference between fresh fruit that's recently picked and fruit that's been like, you know, flown across the world or, you know, across the country. It makes a big difference. So that is so amazing. Also the variety, you can control the variety that you're getting when you grow it yourself at the grocery store. They're often thinking about what transports, what holds the longest. But if you're growing it in your backyard, you don't need to be concerned about those things. And so you can get something that may bruise easily, but tastes juicier and gets plumper and uh, is tasty, tasty. Yeah, it's making my mouth water. <laughs> All right, Tony. So let's switch gears a little bit. What do you wish more people knew? I want to go back to that early education. I wish that I had that knowledge. I wish that my family had that knowledge. I wish that at an early age, people got to hold different types of produce, touch them, learn to use them, um, not only produce, but different grains. I had never had brown rice until I was an adult. I had white rice and it took me quite a long time to eat brown rice and like it. Probably 10 times uh, it was chewier and tougher and uh, unfamiliar. So I wish that I had had that as part of my education in school, that wellness and um, nutrition and feeling physically good. I mean, even mentally good. Like, what is that? What is it? What should we feel like? And it's, it's hard when it's hard to know what's good when you don't know. Uh, and so I wish that was taught at an earlier age for me and for my family, and perhaps there would be different outcomes. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out. You can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass. You can get culinary cilantro or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're 
so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. That's a lovely wish. And I can totally identify with that because when I was an adolescent, I also, like I said, we had Taco Bell in my school and some days I would, you know, I had early release. So I got out of school at one. So I would not eat all day long. And then on the way home from school, I would pick up like a jumbo bag of Fritos and eat those on my way home. And that was my meal. Like, I'm like horrified. I had chronic abdominal pain and I had no clue that it was from what I was eating, you know? And I also had a lot of depression and, you know, just like you were saying, it really does affect lifestyle medicine, what we eat, our sleep, our exercise, all those things, they really affect how we feel, how our brain functions, our mood. So yes, if we could educate children and give them this knowledge so that they can start practicing those habits and behaviors, it would completely change our world. It would completely change our world. So that's a beautiful wish. I'd love to know about your morning routine. Do you have a specific morning routine you follow? Can you share it with us if you do? You're putting me on the spot because I am not a morning person. That (laughs) a morning routine would mean that I was awake in the morning now. Um, I do <laughs> so how about your afternoon routine when you wake up then? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's so strange. I've always felt like I do my best work, my best thinking at nighttime, even when I was younger. And I'm trying to shift that, but it's hard when it's been a lifelong pattern in your life. And so I'm trying to get to bed right now around 10, 30, 11 which for me has been earlier, which means I'm waking up early. And uh, my husband, who is a 
a morning person sends me articles about all the health benefits of waking up early and and having more sunlight and having uh, more chance to exercise and be around people. Like there are so many benefits to waking up early and I'm, I'm, I'm learning, I'm taking them in. Uh, but I do, I will say I wake up at like nine right now that I'm going to sleep earlier. And my morning routine is I have a dog right on me. As soon as my husband leaves for work, Eddie comes on and he, gives me love and it's really nice to wake up and have that affection so we hug and we get up and then um I always drink water right when I wake up I drink water use the restroom that's part of my routine and then I uh I will say in the in the food area I tend to keep it small for lunch uh, and that's just because I have never been really hungry in the morning right when I wake up. So I usually eat a banana or a smoothie or if I am hungry, I'll go to oatmeal. That's my go-to oatmeal with some sunflower seeds and a banana or something like that. So that's what mornings look like for me. Nice. I love it. Well, you know, we all have our differences. And I think it's amazing how people end up paired together that are so different because my husband and I are the same way. I'm the morning person. No matter what, I wake up early. I'm jumping out of bed, ready to go. But if it's past 9 p.m., I turn into a grumpy person. Like, I, I have to go to bed. And my dog is the same way. Like, if she's comfortable in a spot and you try to get her up, after 9 p.m. to put her in her bed, she growls at you. She's like, leave me alone. I'm like the same way. I'm like the human version of my dog when it comes to our circadian rhythms. But my husband, you know, he's not. He needs like a cup of coffee and he has to wake up super slowly, let that coffee saturate his brain for at least 30 minutes. (laughs) Then you can start talking to him. So yeah, it's it's very different. I, uh, I, my husband and I sometimes try to watch a show And it's so frustrating when you have a partner who goes to sleep at nine and you're trying to start a show at nine right before bed. And like one second into it, it's like, (laughs) I know, (laughs) you know, you know, what's funny about me too is, you know, how people are always like optimistic about their future selves. Like this is like a phenomenon of humans. Like we're always thinking we're going to be a different way later uh-huh. on yeah. and it'll be like Friday night and you know it's Friday right now and I get excited about Friday I'm like yeah okay y'all tonight we're gonna stay up and watch a movie and you know we're gonna party <laughs> and then like 8 30 rolls around I'm like you know when I said I was gonna stay up and watch a movie I was kidding I'm going to bed now <laughs> so <Good night>. like, <laughs> I'm always like ready to party until it's actually 9 p.m and then I change my mind so yeah. that's so funny what about the um you're eating for the rest of the day i know you said you like bowls and things like that but what kind of foods do you like to eat usually i love mexican food i love it it's just so good and uh there are some swaps that i've made recently like i have i usually have a pot of pinto beans i didn't even have another type of beans until i was grown up I had pinto beans and I thought that black beans were like for fancy rich people and uh, and so I learned later to cook and appreciate different types of beans but still when I feel like I want something that's hearty and comforting I go to pinto beans so today I had uh, leftovers from this week which was I made lentil tacos with um, pinto beans 
I did those in the pressure cooker. Super easy. Uh, takes a lot of the time away from the stove, adding water or turning it down or making sure it doesn't overflow or run out of water or whatever. Um, the pressure cooker has really just revolutionized my cooking style. But I also, um, I used to eat a lot of Spanish rice, Mexican rice, uh, the red, red rice. And um, I have swapped, not all the time, because I do love my regular my regular rice, but I have often swapped the white rice for quinoa. It has the same cook time and it absorbs in the same way. So I have today for lunch, I ate leftovers, which was um, some pinto beans, some red quinoa, and that was cooked in tomato sauce with onion, garlic, and a vegetable broth and some lentil taco leftovers. And it was delicious so good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. My um, office manager, she's Mexican and I feel like she grew up, you know, pretty much only eating Mexican food. She cooks really good too, but I'm introducing her to a lot of different plant-based things, but yeah, she'll bring her pinto beans and she'll bring her Mexican rice and it's so good. It's so delicious, but you know, she's, she's venturing out and trying different things, but I think it was similar that she really knows her pinto beans and she knows her Mexican rice, but other ways are kind of unfamiliar. So she's having to explore. So I would say for anybody like that, you know, just try things. You may not like it the first time. Just like Tony was saying, it took her like 10 times to like brown rice. I'm Panamanian. So we are, we are white rice people, like white rice yeah. every meal pretty much. So yeah, it takes some time to get used to, but once you get used to, it's a different option that you can use to kind of switch things up. I would also like to point out that people often think about plant-based as being more restrictive, but for me, it was the opposite. I just embraced so many different international cuisines, so many different uh, vegetables. I'd never, I'd never heard of, I'd never tasted, I'd never had a butternut squash, I'd never had kale, brown rice, and it opened my world up and changed my palate to all of these delicious foods that I didn't have the courage even to try. Agreed for sure, because we get stuck on our same old, same old, what we're familiar with. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. there's 5,000 edible plants, 5,000. That That's is incredible variety. <laughs> so That's we haven't, me and you, we haven't even gone through all of those. It's like, yep. you know, they're still, we're still limited in what we've tried given what's available out there. But for most people, they think, oh, if I'm not eating meat, what what do I eat? The truth is you're gonna eat more variety than before. That's and how I so feel. I think that that's really important for people to know. Tony, this has been great. I have one final question for you, but before we get there, if you could please share with us where listeners can connect with you, what products and services you offer and where we can find your new book. I can be found at plantbasedonabudget.com and my book, Plant Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy, can be found at plantbasedonabudgetcookbook.com and you can find me at Plant Based on a Budget where I have lots of free resources, meal plans, recipes. I have a support group. You name it, I will help you. You can DM me directly if you heard something and you feel called to know more about it. I am, I am here to serve. And uh, I cannot wait to hear this last question. I'm now eager. 
<laughs> okay, so here's the last question. You may have uh, already so answered curious. this. So we'll just recap in okay. case you've already answered this, but leave us with your top three hacks that we can use to cut our grocery mm -hmm. bill in half. Okay. Um, first, I would like to say I'm not eager to end this conversation. I was eager and curious to know what the last final question was. Here's the, the build up. <laughs> um, okay, so... I had a lot of shame around wanting to save money. I, I think having parents who were really budget conscious uh, made me feel like, I don't know, weird giving food back at the register or asking them like for the, you saw a sale price and it didn't ring up at the sale price. It, it made me feel uncomfortable to say something, but having the mindset shift to just say, you know what, I need to save money. This it said it said it was a dollar off and and I'm hoping it'll be a dollar off. So can you can you look into this for me? I know it's a big inconvenience and it can cause a lot of attention, but at the end of the day, you need to save money whether you're on a really tight budget or whether you're saving money to get out of debt or whether you want to take your family on a vacation. That dollar means something to you and you earned you worked hard and you earned it. So um having that mindset shift and being okay advocating for wanting to save money or yourself when when needed is is a huge deal another thing is i remember my mom would come to the grocery store with an accordion folder of coupons and i would be like oh like mom please uh, but now that's me I have my coupons and fortunately it's a lot easier and discreet, more discreet to have coupons. You can usually pull up your app and scan your app, but at so many grocery stores, they have digital apps. You can clip your coupons before you go there and try to only buy what you need, not because it's on sale, but there are times where what I needed just happened to have a coupon. So um, check your sales, uh, check your... Um, online advertisements because sometimes you can double up on sales and uh, go at, go at a time like for the weekend they have a 72-hour sale uh, and then lastly just give yourself grace um, when you do splurge if you need to um, I, I know it's counter to what you're to what I'm saying but sometimes I feel like if I buy myself a dessert or if I buy myself um, something that is more splurge, splurging, uh, that, that is more of a splurge, I then don't go make an impulsive choice later because I have that at my house and it's a cheaper thing. I have the, the cookie that I wanted or the ice cream or whatever it is um, instead of going out to the ice cream shop. Um, and it, it ends up being cheaper. So give yourself grace. It doesn't have to be restrictive it doesn't have to limit you you can still eat the things you want just plan for it i love it no that was a perfect example too because when you thought of that i thought of ice cream because yesterday we were celebrating our first week of going live on a new electronic health record and we were all very stressed and frustrated we all had fights with our significant others this past week because of it <laughs> we were all stressed so i i celebrated by getting vegan tacos and I made some yummy plant-based uh, blondies, chocolate chip blondies, but I ordered some ice cream to go with it. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot how expensive this stuff is. But you're right in that it still would have been cheaper than going to the ice cream shop and each of us buying our individual. It's, it was still cheaper and it was worth it because we were celebrating. And that's just something you do every once in a while. So those are all fantastic tips. Tony, it's been so great getting to know you. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. Thank you for putting out this content and helping make plant-based eating more accessible to people, busting those myths and giving us delicious recipes. So I hope that everybody will check out your new book, Plant-Based on a Budget, Quick and Easy. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a wonderful conversation and I am in awe of all that you do. So thank you for all the wonderful work that you do to help people and the planet. Oh, thank you. Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.